this love, this life is hard and we, we, we do our best. I didn't choose the podcasting life. The podcasting life chose me. You, you joke, but Mark Maron walked up to my home and was like, you were going to be a podcaster. And I was like, <laughs> a vision you of are. Mark Maron showed up in front of my bed one night. <laughs> <laughs> the like satanic figure of podcasting spiritualism is like Joe Rogan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he spoke to me like, dude, you're going to be a podcaster. No. <laughs> Pardon me, is everybody here? Because if everybody's here, I'd like to thank you all for coming for the wedding and appreciate you going even more. I mean, you must have lots of better things to do and not a word of it to follow me. Although, you know, the men are going married, but I'm not because I wouldn't ruin anything as wonderful as he is. Thank you all for the gift to the showers. Thank you all. Now it's back to the showers. Don't tell Paul, but I'm not getting married today. It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome wow. to our show where free riders analyze happened? each and every episode <laughs> of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Okay, I'm be doing song lyrics to open up the show. And Did I you just have a stroke? I I'm so sorry to interrupt the introduction. I was just like, what? <laughs> I was like, what is happening? I'm like, what the fuck was that? I think this is the first time Michelle has done an entire show tune as the intro. So that was neat. <laughs> Poorly. Of course, I'm Michelle. Arthur is my name. And I'm Mike. And our guest today, as you might have heard already, is a journalist, researcher, and animation writer whose work has been featured on Funimation and Fanbyte. He's also the co-host of the Pop Culture Podcast and the Sonic Podcast Adventure. Please welcome to the show, Sean Ageson. Hi. Woo. Welcome, Sean. I like Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> My mind is blank because when I'm hosting my own podcast, I have like a pretty like straightforward idea of what I need to do. When I'm a guest, I'm just like, my brain is completely flatlining. <laughs> That's good. Just be an empty cup. I don't know what I mean. Go on. I don't know what I mean. I'm also blank. <laughs> well, Sean, you don't have to worry about thinking of anything because right now we want to start things off by asking a question we ask whenever we have a brand new guest. And that is, how did you first watch Full Metal Alchemist? Oh, so, okay. <laughs> this is going to be kind of a story is the only way I could say. So there was a kid who I was friends with since like elementary school and around middle school. I think he had started watching the Adult Swim broadcast of the 2003 series. He showed me the recording of it one day. And I say it's a, this is kind of a weird story because that kid sucks. He was an asshole rich kid. And it doesn't add anything to the story, but it's just funny that my first memory is tied to this of Homo Alchemist. And then eventually I watched the 2003 series on my own and then eventually got into Brotherhood. And it's one of my favorite anime of all time. I think it's one of the most like flawless from beginning to end anime. It's one of the best gateway anime. It is just absolutely like a masterpiece. And that's going to take us into this week's episode's director and writer. So this week we're talking about Revving at Full Throttle. It was directed by Keiko Yamada, who directed Ice Queen, Inside the Valley, The Arrogant Paul of a Small Human, and a few others. And it was written by Seishi Minakami, who wrote Daydream, The Shape of This Country, and a couple more. So yes, we talked a little bit about the big bathtub scene, but now it's time for us to do our recap. This is the moment in the podcast where one of us will do a 21-second improvised recap of the episode, and that person will be chosen by the roll of a dice. Oh, if it lands on one, it's me. <laughs> if it lands on two, it's Arthur. If it lands on three, it's Mike. If it lands on four, it's our guest, Sean. So let's roll the dice. No, god damn it. That's oh, not good. God. I'm just glad it's not me, because I would have been way sweatier than I already am. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Okay, so Alphonse is with Daddy and Leor, and then and he's all like, I gotta go do work, and then they like, oh, you know what, let's talk about stuff. And then we cut to Ed, and Ed is like, you know, with these with these guys, and they're and he gets caught, and he now he's gonna wear his hair different so he can stay secret. And also 
Fear does something and oh and then there's that lizard guy who's like looking around he's like oh look at all these bodies oh my god and then he's like and you know all that stuff <laughs> yeah all that stuff. i mean pretty good <laughs> i mean i missed the greed thing there was like the greed i still hate that character but they had their stupid little fight internally you know it makes no sense to me of course that means we have to get into our segment which is where in the world is Greedlings. the answer is he's here so that is the end of where in the world is greedling we'll never have that segment again goodbye where well, I'm I'm happy to be part of a moment in history. <laughs> I just don't get what's going on there. I don't get it. And I honestly think this episode turned me to Mike's side, where I hate Gridling. <laughs> or at least I don't hate him. I just don't care about him anymore. That's what, I don't hate him either. I just don't care. I just don't get it. I'm pretty neutral. I like original Greed, but you know, just because of the way this adapts it, and because it's trying not to tread all the ground that the first series did, it does go a little too fast over the original greed. And so I think maybe that can kind of like steer your opinion on new greed in the wrong direction because you got less of the better one, I guess. Or rather, there's a huge uneven split between who got like their screen time, their due time. But also like, I, I get it. I'm not the biggest fan of Greedling, partially because like he just serves his purpose, if that makes sense. I know that makes it sound like he's a good character, but also like what I mean to say is he is there and does the job that he is assigned to as a character and then not much else i will say i did like he's being called out by ling for going against your tenant you know your thing your whole greedy thing because you don't want the one thing you chose i think that's interesting i thought that was really interesting and that's why i liked greedling in this the greedling segment our problems with greedling start off with the fact that ling becomes greed for no apparent reason or purpose. Yeah, but that checks out, though, because, like, Father is, like, this fucking huge fascist who just, like, will literally use people. If somebody's offering up to him to be, like, his pawn, his minion, of course he's going to take that, like, chance right away. I would agree with you if the way that Link became greed was that Father was like, fuck, I need a new greed. Oh, this guy will count. Link I, I think what Sean the- is saying is makes total sense. It's a move that makes total sense for Father, but it's not a move that makes total sense for Link. I agree that Ling's decision to become greed and volunteer for that felt sudden and weird. And so I think the introduction of this character wasn't that good. But I think now is actually when the character gets more interesting to me. It's like investigating the nature of greed. Maybe greed isn't all that we think it is. Greed is also like friendship, you know? (laughs) If you don't like this scene, I kind of get it. But also at the same time, it's setting up the arc of greed goes from like, oh, I want everything because I'm greedy to... I want things that matter. And that's like his ending arc. It's like he wants things that matter, which is like friends and people that care right. about him. That's kind of cool. Ling is telling Greed that he killed like his friend, which was the only part of his life that he chose. And then right after the credits, we cut to Bradley, who I think last episode of the episode before had a moment where he talks about the importance of his wife as being the only thing that he chose. And then you see these two characters clash. So I thought that was cool. They both kind of have this representation of like when you either are a victim of like fascism or have to actively take part in it or choose to actively take part in it, there is still like a lot of these people tend to be humanized by their personal choices in their personal life. I don't really know how to analyze that. I know this is an analyst's show. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we do. (laughs) It's not actually meant to humanize them, but I think it's meant to be one of those things that in the real world, people try to humanize like a lot of bad people because of like, oh, but he has friends and he had a family, that kind of thing. I want to answer to that with a question. All right. 
So we all agree that the moment where Greed remembers his friends was such a touching moment, and it's such a strong emotional connection, and you know enhances the character so much. Mm -hmm. More or less. Cool. I like to challenge the three of you to name every single one of Greed's friends. Oh, impossible. Oh, okay. Impossible. I'm not gonna check the Wikipedia that's in front of me. (laughs) Uh, I'm not checking. I'm gonna do it right now. Uh, Dolcetto, Bido, Snake Lady, Dog Lady. Or snake, snake man, lady. dog lady. <laughs> you can't say snake lady. Snake lady and Mr. Cow. <laughs> D- done. On the final flashback in this episode where they, they do like the huge shot of all his friends, there's one there who wasn't there before. Like this lizard guy who was not there in the first episode. And I was like, <laughs> who is that guy? And so, and so like, even if we set aside all the problems I have with how Greedling came to be, or the fact that he hasn't been on the show for the past six, five, six episodes, you're asking me to imagine that this is a connection that will last forever that like this is the thing that makes him turn that makes him realize why he's switching and like i don't even know who these remember who these characters are they were in one episode and then died to the next one like i'm sorry i i just don't give a shit about them that's fair i have a whole new alternate take that i think you guys are going to be like really into are you ready for this are you ready for this ling maybe the reason that this whole greed thing is falling apart is because ling was actually just a terrible choice there you go the fact that he's not greedy inherently and fathers pridefully just decides, oh, not pridefully, <laughs> wrathfully <laughs> just decides to make him greed for whatever reason, right? This was a bad decision because now Ling's in there instead of being like, yeah, I want money, women, men, power, you know, instead of all that, he's like, think about your friends. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> actually what Greedling does is recontextualize greed. So, like, uh, greed is good. Yeah, living under like <laughs> fascism or capitalism, when you tend to like buy a few things to make you happy, enjoy things, treat yourself, that kind of thing. Some people tend to see that as greedy when like you could be using your money to fight for the cause or donate to charity. And so I think that's what Greed Ling's character is supposed to be is the recontextualization of greed because greed was greedy, sure, but also over time he starts to favor more of like, oh, I want things that matter. And also at the same time, being greedy is not a bad thing because what we see is greed is often just like, oh, taking time for yourself and finding things that make you happy. But it's like unchecked mm-hmm. rampant greed is that's unchecked rampant capitalism. Exactly. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yes. Basically, regular greed is like, OK, if this guy continued on, he'd be unchecked greed. He'd be capitalism. But greedling is recontextualizing as like, no, it's OK to take things for yourself because Like, what is living if not having things for yourself that you enjoy and love and stuff like that? What I think is funny and fun is that, like, the one thing that does carry over from old greed to greedling is the exact same speech. Yes. (laughs) I want money and power and women. You demand the finer things in life. And he's like, don't you know what I was going to say? I like that those words are somehow etched onto greed's soul. Yeah. This is fine. Nice stuff. Good stuff. Cashmere. I want... That's what it's cashmere, it, There's definitely like a tattoo that <laughs> some like some douchey guy has on their back. <laughs> I agree with all the conclusions you're coming about and everything you guys said. Like I agree with that. I just wish it wasn't such like a sweaty plot device that came out. Do you guys know what sweaty means? Yes. Oh, I know what sweaty means. I, I am in a hot room. <laughs> <laughs> it's like going this way. It's going that way. It's you have to really like sort of like 
Uh, to see it, you have to kind of lean. By sweat, you mean like overwrought? No, I mean in the sense of like that you can see the screenwriters sweating as they try to pull it off. Right, right. Yeah. My analysis of things is always like try to put yourself in the perspective of the writer or the creator where it's like they had to compromise and not be able to fit something perfectly in there. So that's how I start picking out things that the average media viewer might not see. Stupid writers, why didn't you see into the future and know that this was going to happen? It's like, they can't, <laughs> the writers. They're overworked as it is. <laughs> this episode is the most I've liked Greedling so far. Yeah. Well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It feels great. As we finish this part of the episode, it really is funny how the military has this top secret invincible army being made and this random guy just sort of stumbles into it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. Oh, it's the military's top secret operation. Whoa. You can call them like ham-fisted as metaphors if you want, but like these things being perfect soldiers where they're just like empty husks that you attach a soul to. Yeah, soul receptacles. Receptacles that you put a soul into is exactly what fascism wants of the people it, that are under it. It just wants your soul to be a power source and not anything else. There's no quality of life for these guys. Right. <laughs> yeah. People they literally resources. hang upside down for storage, you know? <laughs> Like, yeah because there and there's something very like slaughterhouse about that imagery. yeah that too it's a bit forward with how it's presenting this metaphor and its relation to the themes of the anime but it hits hard and does its job i actually for one am relieved that they're doing this that they're creating the super soldier thing because the uh the inverse ninja law will no doubt ensure that homunculi will be much easier to defeat going forward once we've created an army of them. Can you say what the inverse ninja law is? <laughs> well, the inverse ninja law, Michelle, it's a narrative law, which means the power or the effectiveness is inversely proportional to the number of ninjas in a group, whereas one ninja is an impenetrable, unstoppable foe. A group right. of ninjas are easily dispatched by weaker... Oh, the Wolverine ninjas. law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, this goes for a lot of things. It doesn't have to be ninjas homunculi in this case you know what i mean like one homunculus impossible a hundred well because everyone loves an underdog story <laughs> right it works yeah. with everything it works with zombies on the walking dead if there's one yeah. zombie in a room for some reason it's the hardest zombie they've ever had to kill but if there's 50 zombies they're gonna like stick their fingers through their eyes and kill them in five seconds you know yeah, what I mean? like a like, well, hundred <laughs> zombies is like a battle rage from the throat like i got this and then one in the room is like Oh no, it's one. He's in our room. <laughs> He's wearing a doctor's outfit. This is a character developed zombie. This zombie environment has... to storytelling. Yeah, holy shit. You want to know the reason why I chose this episode? Yeah. Uh, is because when we get to the part with Ed, it is one of my favorite moments when he just punches through the fucking wall and like <laughs> so cool. fucking arm locks a dude's neck. And then after <laughs> they fake hostage take him and he just has the most like i'm not doing this expression <laughs> it's a great reintroduction of the character yeah it is yeah best it's... short joke so far it made me laugh yeah, yeah. out loud for real <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah so yeah when he's like yeah we're looking for a guy red coat uh and short and like <laughs> basically ends the lower eyelid twitches <laughs> and he bites clean through a fucking uh stick yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> What just a cool reveal, like the stages of that reveal, like Heinkel going to the bank, by the way, which is called Banks Bank. I, I uh, noticed yeah. that. <laughs> I, I, it's like, what the heck? You get all the beats of Edward. You get him being a badass. You get him being kind of short fused. And then you also get him being a very good comedic character when they like 
oh, uh, don't shoot us or we'll shoot the kid. The gorilla guy has a gun to him, right? Like he has an actual gun. And then the other guy just is pointing just his points fingers his at him. Yeah. And yeah. he's just yeah. like, all right, let, okay, fine, whatever. And then also I did notice that he's pointing his fingers. And then in the very next scene, that like the next frame after you see them run away while he's fake pointing fingers like they're guns, he's holding a gun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good because it's linked to character and they can't do that with, greed because he's not really a character all right now i feel bad that we're ragging on him like poor dude <laughs> i'm gonna use this moment to play our black character jingle uh, oh. we have a black character <laughs> it's right. harris the poor soldier but cut out that jingle because i need to get on my soapbox and say japanese artists black people we do not have sausage lips Please stop doing that. I'm begging you. <laughs> Our lips are normal. They do not look like that. Please just draw us normal lips. Please, I'm begging you. Yeah. I'll back that. That that is such a I don't know why it's it's so common. I mean, you know why. Racism. Well, I, I do know I do know why. But but I should say there's no good reason why it should still be so Yeah, no reason why it should still be, but like the history is this just that like some of the first American media to be exported to Japan was just racist characters so they were just like oh that's how you draw them right nobody's correcting them is the biggest part of it like nobody's yeah. there to call them out but we are now so yeah we are now yeah, yeah. you have been called out person <laughs> who drew this 10 years ago don't do it again i do have to say these soldiers are very stupid <laughs> they turn around a corner and there's just an empty road except for a very like extremely suspicious and looking like, it clearly cannot be that car keep driving forward i love this battle bot looking piece of shit car right. it's terrible it's so good i like when he said i'm revving it full throttle because it was the title of the episode oh yeah confirming my predictions for this episode completely that, that there's a car, a car yes. chase oh he's a car he trans what is he not turbo team <laughs> <laughs> That car chase was really well directed, I gotta say. It, there were some really great shots of just like slamming on brakes, turning the vehicle. The shot where they have to go around the truck that just showed up out of nowhere was a fantastic shot. Just all around great direction. This is the part where I have to say <laughs> the whole scene with Rose was a bit weird to me i think it's a very interesting character meeting because you have characters that more or less affected each other's lives or, or rather when we affected rose's life without her knowing it she gave him his legs right so it also gave him the sense of like i have legs now i have no excuse not to move forward and try my best so mm -hmm. he now has this idea that he then passes on to rose he says it like an asshole of course because he's dead but he shakes her out of like this stupor she's in after uh father uh what's his name again uh father cornello cornello thank you and tells her to move forward and i think it's cool that these two characters who didn't know that they had this connection meet i like it too but i think it's a little wishful thinking to think that just one little salty atheist speech could turn a town around like this like they there was riots yeah. eventually it, yeah it tore apart the whole town and it wasn't his speech it was the fact that he exposed father cornello is a fraud yeah <laughs> if only people could hear that trump was a fraud then oh yeah well we we've had riots here too oh shit <laughs> but you know what i mean his entire his entire thing was based on the miracles so they broke literally the only thing people liked about the hymn this is very stupid but remember when elon musk made his profile picture that picture of edward reading oh, off God. the booklet no i love that he had absolutely no awareness that that was a scene 
of Ed being like the most like dickish Silicon Valley, like, oh, you don't know? Oh, here, let me explain to you why humans are just like chemicals. Like he was being the most over explaining mansplaining dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, why would you choose that photo? Like, <laughs> I mean, I think it's clear why he chose oh, that. Oh, no, photo. like, but I, I like, I, I was just trying to wrap my brain of like, do you like him oh, in that I scene? think he did yeah i think yeah. That, i think that really appealed to him i think he was like yeah humans are nothing nothing matters i'm rich oh my god i'm pretty sure elon musk watched from alchemist was like this father he has great ideas <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna wait that's what the boring company is that's the fucking tunnel he wants to make yeah he wants oh to make my a god. Oh my some god. boring company Fuck. it's also clear I hope, I hope the celebrities he sent down the death hole have encountered sloth just like digging yeah. the rest of the tunnel because it's not fucking finished <laughs> yet Bernie was like, no one should have that much money, like about Bezos and Musk. And Musk responded, like, I'm accumulating resources to take mankind to space. <laughs> like, that was his response to that. Yeah, that and sounds it, like father. Yeah, like, I plan to use the collective labor yeah. of our society to become a god. Thank you. Uh, oh, and uh, by the way, please buy the uh, Elon Musk as father NFT that the podcast is selling. You can find it at... Uh, I was about to say we should legitimately take some Elon Musk codes and just put them on top of images of father as he said. It's such, oh a, good, my God, it's such yes. a good takedown. It's so accurate. I it's, like to use Photoshop irresponsibly. I'll do this. Father and it's like some people are gonna die on the way to Mars. What can you do? <laughs> Love to use uh hu humans as fodder for the future. Oh god. I'd like to take this opportunity to open up the segment. Welcome to shipping and handling. Let's get <laughs> shipping and handling to take us all the horny jail because it's time for shipping and handling. Okay. I like that name. We get a look back on Rose like, oh, this is what Rose has been up to and what Ed did actually turned her life around. We also get the lens of Winry being like, oh, wow, Ed actually is a really cool guy. And even though he's kind of a jerk and a hothead it's because he cares so much she grew up with him so she sees him like you know regardless of like romantic intention or not she sees him as a little brother in the context of she sees all of his faults like she's caught him picking his nose and and yelling at his brother and kicking trash across the street you know like she's got him doing like stupid dumb young boy shit so she doesn't see that like oh right he's like hot-headed but also a good guy I only see yeah, him as she, an annoying brother. She just brother got a sometimes. glimpse of Ed as the through world another sees woman's Ed. eyes, right? <laughs> it's developing the relationship between those two, and they're not even together. It was more elegant than it might at first seem. She didn't respond with jealousy. She like resonated Rose's like admiration for Ed. I'm just really glad it didn't devolve into like you like Ed. You, you can't like Ed. I like him or something like that. Well, I mean, you know? it could have been that. You know, it could have easily been that. Take us all to horny jail and don't pass go. This has been Shipping and Handling. <laughs> you know, now that we close Shipping and Handling, it's time for us to start a different segment. And that means we have to bring on the classical music. Welcome to First Take Theater, reading actual posts from people who watched the show as it aired. I'd like to preemptively apologize for what I'm about to read, but I have to do this. Okay, so Winry fan service was sure lovely. I didn't know Winry was hiding these two big and juicy watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> you better marry her, Ed. Yeah, you wife that woman. 
<laughs> not because she gave you the ability to walk, but because she's got luscious baps. Yeah, that's, that's really funny. Oh my Good god! Boobs make wife. <laughs> when I read those two big and juicy watermelons, I was like, oh, some people need to remember that this kind of shit stays online forever. He's a doctor now. <laughs> not to overanalyze this stupid comment somebody left. Like, they said I didn't know she had those. I'm like. What do you mean she di you didn't know she had those? <laughs> she wears like a tube top in like most of her early scenes. I thought that was her automail mechanic stuff. She kept <laughs> it under her shirt, but yeah. it was boobs. It was watermelons. <laughs> and that was First Take Theater, proving that when it comes to hot takes, there's nothing like the first. Mike! Hey! Now it's time for you to head out into the field and to go into the bed in Mikey at the bed! Mmm. So wow. organic. <laughs> <laughs> the moment of the podcast where Mike has to guess what happens in next week's episode based only on the title and the thumbnail. Mike, please tell us what's happening in the thumbnail for next week's episode, The Promised Day. Looks like Olivier has got her brother in shackles or i don't know he might just be wearing gloves that are like for hitting people and she's like holding him gloves like... that are for hitting people <laughs> sorry <laughs> you know what i should have said that out loud again that was great <laughs> no, it's okay it's a weird way to say the word i don't know but, and she's holding like a sword thank you gauntlets she's holding a sword up to his like or yeah brass knuckles i don't know he's got like something on his things hands hands and she's like, oh, I'm going to kill him. And behind her, it looks like there's been some damage to the wall. I think the promised day, this may be in reference to the day that we turn on all these super soldiers or the day that the state does something very dangerous or big. Alex Louise Armstrong here. I think he's going to be like, oh, no. And she's going to be like, oh, we can't blow our cover yet or something. And it's going to be like a situation like that. Now that Mike has given his prediction, it's time for us to grade the episode on a scale from one to five stars. I'm going to get things started by saying I'm going to give this um, a three. I made my opinions clear. So three. 4.5. Whoa. I thought it was great. I don't know. You guys seem to be very critical of this one, but I thought this was a really fantastic episode with really fantastic parts. I thought the Alan Hohenheim stuff was great. I thought Ed's introduction was great. Who's I Alan Hohenheim? was like, at the very least, not <laughs> bad and like pretty interesting to think about. It's cool. Like I'm starting to get why separating Ed and Al was a cool idea. It's a compelling plot line. It's like the breaking of the fellowship. It's like seeing them come apart and come together and what they get up to separately is, is cool. Your words have moved me, Arthur. Your words have moved me. My God. You're right. I'm going to give this an unenthusiastic four stars. <laughs> <laughs> wow because it's really you're right you, you could miss me uh two stars whatever well i was i was enthusiastic about giving three stars and then i realized this deserves another star i'm giving this an unenthusiastic four stars for the people who lean in and they're like but why did he give it a four star rating oh i see he had some reservations but at the end of the day the writing's on the wall four stars unenthusiastic <laughs> Uh, probably also a four because like it's a bit of a ramp of an episode it's getting us to a certain point the, the next episode. episode yeah trans yeah exactly <laughs> I, sorry no thank you for actually we giving just say me that, that a lot we say that. yeah thank you for giving me the actual term i said ramp like an idiot i have a fucking english <laughs> no, no, degree no, no. <laughs> i like it's a ramping episode no it's just it's just we like every other episode we end up saying this is more of a transitional episode which is pretty funny uh, well, but but is that like but but that's where it would get a three stars but it, it has a lot of great character moments it has a lot of really subtle character moments it's an episode that rewards you on a rewatch for sure 
it brings it up to four stars from the like transitional episode three stars. So four, four metal alchemist. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming up on the end of the episode. And that means it's time for me to thank this week's guest, Sean. Thank you so much for coming. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast talking about Filmologamist. I love this show. Do you have anything you want to plug? Social media? Yes. I am a writer researcher. Uh, you can follow me at Sean at your son. That's S-E-A-N, the number eight, your son, you are son. I also host two podcasts, Sonic Podcast Adventure, which is at Sonic Pod on Twitter. At the time of recording, we just put out an episode about Shadow the Hedgehog that is two hours long because we have no self-control. And then I also do a podcast with my fiance that we really should get back to recording. It's so hard to balance uh, so many things at once. Uh, it's called Pop Cultured, where we share something that one person has seen with the other person who hasn't. And we've been trying to get more guests involved as well. Hopefully that'll be ramping up soon by the time this episode is out. And then I also stream. Again, as of recording right now, I have taken a streaming break. By the beginning of June, I should be back streaming stuff. And my Twitch is Sean at your son as well. And yeah, give me a follow, check out my stuff. And thanks again for having me. This was fun as hell. Thanks for coming. Yeah, it was a blast. And before you go, we would like you to please do, as we hinted at, your best Full Metal Alchemist, just like the interstitials. Okay, yeah, give me a second. <clears throat> full Metal Alchemist. And if you don't want to get stuck inside Elon Musk's nationwide transmutation circle, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FMAnalysts. Worldwide. That's twitter.com slash FM, the word analysts. It's a transmutation sphere. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. If possible, leave us a review or recommend the show to a friend. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analyst.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. We'd also like to thank Camilla Franklin for doing our podcast art. You can check out more of her work by following her on Instagram, at Camillastrator. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right, you can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash fmanalysts. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.